0: Praise the Lord. This is Brother Phil with another edition of Speaking the Truth in Love. I am thrilled to be alive, to have another opportunity to glorify the true and the living God, to exalt the truth and to expose the folly of lies. As I've said week after week... You can be wrong about a lot of things, but if you're wrong about who God is and what God requires of a person to get into heaven, you're wrong enough to spend eternity in a real place called hell. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but but would that all men come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. And that's what our program is all about, speaking the truth in love. If you love a person, you will tell them the truth. Sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes they don't want to believe the truth. But the Word of God says, better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. So I bring you the truth in love. As a brother, as a friend, as a fellow human being, as a child of God, I beg you to listen carefully to today's broadcast. It just might save your life. So without any further ado, hangeth thou in there, brethren, here it comes. I'll be back at the end with a closing word. The Bible, fact or fiction? If God wrote a book, I think it would be reasonable for us to expect a few things from that book. I think, first of all, it would be the most unique book ever written, having no like or equal. I think it would be no problem for God to write a book that would be the runaway bestseller of all time. I think it would be uh, unquestionably considered the greatest literature ever written. I think it would have to answer the greatest needs of the human heart. Uh, Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? The origin of man, my purpose, my destiny. And uh, to answer the question of evil, I think would be important. And last, I think that God uh, should be able to write a book that contains metaphysical information, information that transcends the human mind that would not be obtainable from the five senses apart from a divine revelation from a supreme being, such as predicting the future with 100% accuracy, which no human being can do. So does the Bible meet these qualifications, and are there any other books that do? Yes, the Bible does meet these qualifications, and no, there are no other books that do. Is the Bible the most unique book ever written? Consider this. It was written over the course of 1,500 years by 40 different authors from every walk of life. Moses was raised in the palace of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Amos was a herdsman. Joshua, a military general. Daniel, a prime minister. Luke was a doctor. David was a king. Paul was a rabbi. Peter was a fisherman. And Matthew was an extortionist. He was an outlaw tax collector. The Bible was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It was written originally in three languages Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Yet amazingly, it's one book with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It speaks on hundreds of controversial topics with perfect unity. And uh, it's perfect in unity even though the first and the last writers were separated by 1,500 years. The paradise lost in the book of Genesis is regained in the book of Revelation. Christ is crowned with thorns in the Gospels, and he's crowned with glory in Revelation and the New Jerusalem. There's only one possible explanation for this. There were 40 writers, but only one author. Is the Bible the runaway bestseller of all time? According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, by 1966, the whole Bible appeared in 240 languages or dialects, one or more whole books of the Bible in 739 additional dialects for a total publication of 1,280 languages. And now, Wycliffe Bible Translators is saying that they believe by the year 2020 they will have the Bible in every language and dialect on planet Earth. Yes, the Bible is read by more people and published in more languages by far than any other book in history. Even the secular world admits that the Bible is the greatest literature ever written. Does it answer the greatest needs of the human heart? Indeed it does. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? It all goes back to our Creator, our Father God. You cannot know who you are unless you know who He is. But when you know who He is, you know who you are. And when you know who you are in relation to who He is, the world is no longer an inexplicable riddle and life takes on purpose and And meaning. It's interesting to me that there are five major religions in the world, and all of them have a book, and each one of those books can be tested, and each one of their doctrines are mutually exclusive, which is good news for us. Here's an example. Um, In the Hadith, which is the Muslim book, the Muslims have the Quran and the Hadiths, which are the sayings of Muhammad. Hadith, volume number 2, number 245 says, If a Muslim sleeps during prayer time, Satan urinates in his ears. Well, we know from the Bible that Satan is a non-material being, so he doesn't urinate And with one billion Muslims in the world, if more than one of them sleeps during prayer time, since Satan is not omnipresent, how would he urinate in the ear of more than one rebel Muslim? Uh, There are many of these types of examples. The Hadith, volume number three, Number five one one three states that a believer, that is a Muslim, has one intestine, and a non-believer has seven intestines. Well, I checked the medical records, and I checked with the Guinness Book of World Records, and uh, to best of my knowledge, they've never discovered a human being that had seven intestines. So, as I said, these books can be tested. Here's another example. The Bible reveals facts about astronomy thousands of years before man discovered them. Uh, in the Quran, in Surah 1886, the Quran says that the sun sets in a puddle of mud. We know that the ancient Egyptians believed that the earth was suspended on five pillars. The Greeks believed that Atlas held the, held the earth on his shoulders. And the Hindus taught that the earth was held up by elephants, the elephants were on a tortoise, the tortoise on a serpent, and the serpent was swimming on a cosmic sea. But in chapter 26 of the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, we find this, quote, "...God hangs the earth upon nothing." In 750 B.C., the prophet Isaiah, again found in the Bible in the 40th chapter, said, God sits upon the circle of the earth. Friends, we didn't know that until Columbus sailed around the earth without falling off. Do you know that there are people today who are actually members of the Flat Earth Society? Before Galileo came along, scientists assured the world that there were about 2,500 stars. But about 2,500 years before Jesus Christ, the star prophet Jeremiah in the Bible, chapter 33, verse 22 said, the host of heaven cannot be numbered. Now let's look at science just briefly. Einstein discovered, when he published the theory of relativity in 1910, the theory of relativity showed us that life as we know it consists of four things, time, space, and matter, which is energy. This fits the biblical model perfectly in the very first verse of the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, that's time. God created, that's energy. The heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. Einstein's theory of relativity fits the biblical model perfectly. Now let's consider the geological and the fossil record. How is it that a woolly mammoth was discovered perfectly preserved in ice? What formed the Grand Canyon? Have you ever wondered how people have discovered fossils of fish on the highest mountain peaks in the world? Have you ever noticed by looking at the continents on a world map that if you cut out the pieces like a puzzle, they would fit together perfectly? Just like South America and Africa, it's obvious that at one point... Uh, there was only one land mass, and the rest was water. Once again, we find this in the biblical model perfectly in Genesis chapter seven. Uh, Noah's flood tells us that the waters rose and covered the highest mountain peaks in the world to a depth of more than twenty feet. Here's something that is absolutely incredulous. Did you know that the exact dimensions of Noah's ark are given in the Bible? Yes, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 6. Well, what's interesting about that is scientists have taken those dimensions and built a scaled-down model using those exact ratios of height, length, width, and they estimated or guesstimated the amount of weight that would have been in there for the proper ballast. And they put this model of Noah's Ark in a huge tank with a motor on it, and they slowly began to increase the velocity of the waves until they had the dial all the way up, and what they discovered was that a vessel built to those specifications would have been one of the most seaworthy vessels ever built. How did Noah know that thousands of years ago? Well, the answer is, he didn't. Obviously, uh, those dimensions were given to him by God. The Bible is also unique in biology. Do you know that it was 200 years ago that bloodletting was the favored practice by doctors to cure sickness? That's how George Washington, our first president, died. He was bled to death by his own doctor using leeches. Leviticus chapter 17, thousands of years ago, told us that the life is in the blood. In the book of Leviticus, we also learn about the idea that God told us that we should quarantine sick people, and we also learned about the importance of washing of hands. There's no way that Moses could have known these things apart from a divine revelation from God. By contrast, in the Hadith, Uh, in volume four, number 537. It says, a fly has a disease on one wing and a cure for the disease on the other. Well, to the best of my knowledge, that's never been verified. Another fact that is completely unique to the Bible is this. Unlike other books of religion, which are philosophical in nature, the Bible contains history, biography, geography, science, poetry, parable, and prophecy. Unique is the fact that the Bible is grounded in indestructible historical facts. Contrary to popular opinion, uh, the Bible does not start out once upon a time. The New Testament begins, for example, with the birth of Jesus Christ in a real town called Bethlehem of Judea in the times of King Herod. Literally hundreds of names, dates, times, places, and real historical events involving kings and kingdoms and world powers such as Egypt and Assyria, Babylon, and Rome are listed in the Bible that have been verified by archaeologists. Uh, About 150 years ago, a new science called archaeology was developed and a fairly large group of people went over to Israel to try to disprove the Bible and half of them went to try to prove the Bible was true. What they discovered was that virtually every one of the archaeological discoveries relating to a name, a date, a time, a place, a real historical event has been proven to be perfectly accurate precisely as the Bible said. In fact, a large percentage of the people that went over there trying to disprove the Bible actually became devoted Christians because the Bible was so accurate in its history. The Bible is unique in its biography. The Bible deals frankly with the sins of its characters. Read the biographies today and the biographies of other so-called religious leaders and you'll see how they cover up or ignore the shady side or the sinful side of people, but the sins of God's people, the sins of the patriarchs, the evangelists, the apostles, the disorder of the churches, it's all written clearly in the Bible. In fact, the three men who wrote more of the Bible than anybody else, Moses, King David, and the apostle Paul, were all murderers. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells it like it is. The ultimate proof that the Bible is divinely inspired is prophecy. Let me try and illustrate it for you, just to show you how amazing this is. Imagine if I predicted 1,000 years in advance, the exact city the President of the United States would be born in, his exact birth date, what nationality he would be, what family he would come from, what kind of car he would drive, where he would go to school, what his name would be, what his father and mother's names would be, how old he would be when he died, when he would die, how he would die, plus dozens of his most significant, specific accomplishments in detail. And I was 100% accurate on every count. Would that be a miracle? You better believe it would be. That is exactly what the Bible did in reference to Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament alone, scholars tell us that there are over 300 specific prophecies concerning a person who would come into this world. And according to Ph.D. astrophysicist, "...the odds of the more than 2,500 prophecies found in the Bible being fulfilled by chance are one with 2,000 zeros after it. And according to the mathematical science of probability, if a number has more than 50 zeros after it, the odds of that happening by chance are virtually impossible." This is irrefutable proof that the Bible is divinely inspired by God. This means that God wrote the Bible to a definiteness which lacks only one chance with 2,000 zeros after it. One of my personal favorite prophecies concerns the nation of Israel And I'm fond of saying this to people as I'm teaching, that I can prove that the Bible is true with one word, and that word is Israel. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham out of the land of Ur, he called Abraham to begin a new nation, and God was going to reveal himself and his plan of redemption through that nation. The Bible clearly states in Genesis seventeen eight and in dozens of other verses that God gave the land of Israel to the Jews. In the Old Testament, God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and as the God of Israel literally hundreds of times. God gave a real piece of real estate to Abraham and to his descendants as part of an everlasting covenant which was recorded 4,000 years ago, as I said, beginning in Genesis 12. According to the Bible, which was completed 600 years before Mohammed was even born, the land of Israel is the key to God's prophetic time clock, his revelation of himself to the world, and his plan of redemption. John 4.22 says salvation is of the Jews. The Bible was written in Israel by Israelis with the exception of Luke and Acts, which were written by Luke who was a Gentile. Jesus came to earth as a Jew. He shed his blood on Israeli soil and offered his life as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. Israel is God's prophetic time clock. Much of biblical prophecy is centered in and around Israel's past, present, and future. Since only God can predict the future with 100% accuracy, God pre-wrote Israel's history in stunning detail hundreds and even thousands of years in advance. Why? so that the nations may know that he is God and there is no other. In Isaiah, beginning in chapter 40 and all the way through chapter 44, God says things like, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God besides me. Only I can declare the end from the beginning. In essence, God is saying, if you think you've got a God, okay, Let him or her step up to the plate and predict the future. Why? Because only the true and the living God can do that. One of the most spectacular passages of biblical prophecy concerns Israel, and it's found in Ezekiel chapters 36 through 39. It was written 2,500 years ago by Ezekiel who prophesied that the entire nation of Israel would be exiled because of her sin. Furthermore, the land would remain desolate for a long period of time, and not until the latter days would God bring his people back and exalt them once again as a nation. Well, the Jewish nation began some 4,000 years ago with Abraham. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob— Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. The next scene introduces Joseph, who saves his family from starvation in Egypt. After 400 years in Egypt, the original family of 70 became a nation of 2 to 3 million people. Moses brings them out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, where God gives them their constitution, their declaration of independence, the Ten Commandments. Now move the clock ahead 1,500 years and the Roman Empire is ruling the world with an iron fist when Jesus comes on the scene. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells the world what will happen to Israel and her people. He says that the nation will fall by the sword and the city of Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed and the Jews will be scattered to the ends of the earth. In A.D. seventy, almost forty years after Jesus ascended to heaven, General Titus and the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem, and the Jews were exiled to the four corners of the earth. Miraculously, they remained a distinct race of people, even even though they had no homeland for almost two thousand years. Then, in nineteen thirty-nine, World War Two began. One of Hitler's goals was to exterminate the Jews as the final solution to the world's problems. When Hitler was finally stopped in 1945, six million Jews had been murdered. After the war, the surviving Jews began to trickle back into their ancient homeland, and then in 1948 they established a second Jewish state, Bullseye, Precisely as the Bible predicted thousands of years earlier. Never before in the history of geopolitics have we seen anything that even begins to compare to the biblical prophecy of the nation of Israel. Since its reestablishment in 1948, Israel has been in a constant state of war. She has suffered five full blown attacks by her Arab neighbors, and though vastly outnumbered each time, God gave overwhelming victories to Israel, and each time her borders expanded. This is a deep embarrassment to Islam. Israel is one of the smallest nations on earth, it's about the size of New Jersey. There are only five million Jews living there. They're surrounded by 350 million Arabs, yet the Jews cannot be defeated militarily. Why? Well, the answer is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning in verse 35. God literally said that once he brought them back into that land that you would have a better chance of changing the course of the sun and the moon and the stars than removing the Jews from Israel ever again. Their scientific discoveries, their technology, their gross domestic product, their agriculture, their military capabilities, their disproportionate number of Nobel Prizes that they have won, and their standard of living represent some of the greatest achievements in world history. Here's the most amazing thing to me about the prophecies of Israel. Here's the Middle East crisis in a nutshell. According to the Bible, God promised the land of the land to Abraham and to his sons of promise Isaac and to their descendants. More than 2,600 years later, this is 600 years after the Bible was completed, Muhammad claimed that Ishmael, not Isaac, was the rightful heir, and therefore the land belongs to the Arabs. That is why faithful Muslims are so determined to destroy Israel and take the land. If Israel prevails, or even exists, Muslims are forced to admit that Allah is not the true God, Mohammed was not a prophet, and the Koran is false. That is the real crux of the Middle East conflict. Friends, ultimately the battle is not between Jews and Arabs. God loves them both. The battle is between the forces of darkness and the prince of peace. If Satan can annihilate the Jews and destroy the state of Israel, the biblical prophecy that Jesus will return to rule from David's throne in Jerusalem could not be fulfilled. Israel had to be back in the hands of the Jews before Jesus could return to fulfill prophecy. That is why Satan must destroy Israel. The Bible says the Antichrist will seat himself in the temple and claim to be God. Friends, please hear this. In Zechariah 12... In Zechariah 14, in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Joel 3, Ezekiel 36, and many other places, the Bible clearly predicts that the last war of the world will be fought over Jerusalem. That is proof positive that the Bible is true. Incredibly, the voice of prophecy says that the Lord himself will fight the nations that come against Israel. He will defeat them and Jesus will return to rule on David's throne forever. Islam teaches that the Jews of Israel must be wiped off the map because they have taken the land that rightly belongs to Muslims. Jews are referred to as dogs and pigs. Islam teaches that Ishmael, not Isaac, was Abraham's rightful heir. Therefore, Islam must be vindicated, and the entire Jewish race must be annihilated before the world will know peace. Ultimately, my friend, the Bible is about Jesus Christ. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, He is the main theme of redemption. The whole point of the Bible is how God can legally forgive a sinful person without compromising his justice. And that is precisely what Jesus Christ did. Since the wages of sin is death, and since all men have sinned, all men die. So the only way that God can save us is if a sinless person dies in our place. That is precisely what Jesus Christ did. My friend, between him, between Jesus and every other person, there's no possible term of comparison. Buddha said, I'm a teacher in search of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claimed to be holy. And Jesus said, which one of you convicts me of sin? Muhammad, speaking of the afterlife, said, I do not know what Allah will do to me. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. None of these other men ever claimed to be God. They all said, God is this way, go this way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. My friend, right now, it's illegal in more than 50 nations of the world to teach the Bible and to teach that Jesus is the Son of God, and it's punishable by death, dismemberment, or imprisonment. Why is it that so many people hate the man who said, love your enemies? If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he needs to be clothed, give him your clothing. If he takes your shirt, give him your coat too. If he curses you, bless him. No man ever spoke like Jesus before or since. The name of Jesus can clear out a room faster than any other name in the world. So why is it that the most perfectly pure, loving human being, the only sinless man that ever walked this earth is so hated by so many people? The answer is this. The darkness hates the light because the light exposes the darkness. I'm out of time, my friend. I came here today to beg you to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about this, write to Telling the Truth in Love, sixty-one. 300 South Ironwood Road, South Bend, IN 46614, USA. God bless you. Thank you for listening.